0: There was a woman, and she needed to be generous. It all started, my daughter, Julianne, my son-in-law, Calvin, and their five children ended up going out for dinner at Vans just down the street. And as you can imagine, these five kids scrambling, maybe even a little squabbling. Not that my grandchildren would squabble very much, you know that. But here they are, but there was this woman watching their moves. And so as they're eating their dinner, these watching eyes are taking in the whole situation. She then pulls out a wad of bills, and she goes over to Julianne, and she says, I want to buy your kids ice cream. Now, Julianne said exactly what you would say. You don't need to do that, right? That's what you would say. But here's what the woman said. Yes, I do. I've had a very, very hard week, and I need to bless someone. Now, there was a byproduct to that as well. That is, both Julian and Calvin walk away feeling like God sees them as well. So it begs a question, do we need to be generous? Do you and I need to be generous? Well, this whole Christmas series has been about keeping Christ at the center. And of course, this morning, what we want to do is go after this idea of keeping Christ at the center of our generosity. So, this morning, if you have a Bible, could I encourage you to open with me to Luke chapter 14? If you're online, we are so glad you're with us and want to encourage you, too, to have an open Bible or an open device so you can track along. And we're so glad the folks that are with us in the gym as well. We want to pick up in Luke chapter 14. Verse 7. Just follow along, please, as I read. If you're on a device, an open Bible. Now, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. When He noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you, both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, Invite the lame. Invite the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Let's just pray. (laughs) Let's just pray and let God's Spirit do what He wants to do this morning in our hearts. Father, what an amazing brief story in the life of our Savior that story just brings so much to light about ourselves about your work but God this morning we invite your spirit right now to come and change us we all need touch of your spirit that your love would flow from us your kindness would flow from us your generosity would flow from us to your glory and the good of people around us we pray in jesus name amen 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 well as we read these two kind of small sections of scripture right there's there's two stories and there's two stories Two ideas appear. And the two ideas that appear are humility and generosity, right? Humility and generosity. Now, humility, let's be simple here, is seeing ourselves as God sees us. And we need to recognize that God is holy. And we just aren't quite there, right? We're commanded to be holy as he is holy. So humility is seeing ourselves accurately and recognizing that there is this holy God and we fail. And so the story is pretty clear, right? There's this dinner party and Jesus is watching people as they choose places of honor, these seats of honor. And and probably you can imagine, right, this this priest or this Pharisee, this chief one that had some kind of position of power, is everybody was wanting to sit near that person, right? Isn't that where you would go? It's where I would go. I'd want to sit next to the the host. And, and just let the power ooze, right? Maybe I could glean something from Him. And, and Jesus is watching all of this. And, and He tells this parable, right? He just tells the story. And in verse 8, He says, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the place of honor. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but... I've had that happen. Not quite what we would call this place of honor, but I got myself in the wrong seat, right? And someone had to say, well, that, that that's not really your seat. Come on over here. And, you know, it's a table in the back of the room, you know? <laughs> now, I didn't feel a lot of shame because it wasn't like I was seeking this place, but, but I had to be moved. And Jesus is bringing out this place where he talks about, you'll begin to feel this shame, won't you? Because all these people at the dinner party are watching. You, you grab that seat that was meant for someone else. But then, verses 10 and 11, he says, then you're invited to go to the low place. And your hosts may say to you, friend, move up higher, right? If you start in the low, move to the highest. But then look what he says in verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, so this passage begins to turn things on their head because we're all prone, right, to be focused on ourselves. That, that's what this does in our soul. We, we tend to pick on ourselves. But Ken Blanchard said, humility does not mean you think less of yourself. So the Bible isn't saying we, we need to be thinking like that we're this lowly scum, it means you think of yourself less, right? You're not constantly looking for your own needs, your own focus, your own self-centeredness, right? There's this humility that begins to then open the way for the generosity that flows, right? So Jesus first starts talking about humility, but humility pushes things in a direction, and it pushes here in the direction of generosity. So now he addressed the host, right? That's what happens in verse 12. He says to the man who invited him. And this man who invited him was the, the Pharisee. And we'll talk in a moment about that. But the host then says what? He says, when you give a dinner or banquet, don't invite your friends, right? Or your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. He, he's starting to push things in a certain direction. And what we begin to see is that humble people are generous people. Humble people are generous people. And what God is doing here is He's bringing us to this place of wanting us to be generous. But it's going to start with a posture of the heart, isn't it? How can I be generous to others if I'm focused on myself? Right? So Jesus is pushing us to, to look outside. And then if you just notice, I, I'm sure you grabbed this already, and I tried to emphasize it in the reading, is the word repaid. It comes in verse 12, and it comes again in verse 14 twice. He, he talks about this idea of being repaid. And there is a sense in which we, we do uh, want to be repaid there's often just this, this impulse in us. So we, we invite people in order that we might also get reciprocated. And what God is doing here is trying to move us to a place of generosity. So He says in verse 14, you will be repaid. Don't worry about it. You will be repaid. And that becomes really, really significant, isn't it? That God is looking at us and He says, I'll take care of you. Now, I've noticed something about people. When when they have access to other people's money, they can be really generous. (laughs) Right? I can tell a lot of rich people where they should give their money. (laughs) Or I notice like when people spend other people's money, they're, they're just, well, let's go that extra distance, right? Well, we are spending someone else's money, aren't we? Because God has entrusted us with his money. We are to steward it. And, and God is saying, Go ahead and be generous. I'll take care of you. And so we could never outgive God. And, and so this, this passage pushes us into this place. But it starts really with God in Psalm 145 verse 9 it says this the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made you speaking directly to the Lord open your hand you satisfy the desire of every living thing the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Now think about this. The Lord is good to all. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying that it doesn't matter whether you love him or whether you have rebelled against him. He's good to all. He doesn't care whether you're a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Hindu or an atheist. He is good to all. That's what God is. He's just this good, good father that loves to bless people. And he goes on, he says, he opens his hand. What a posture of generosity, right? What an what a, what a expression. Now, you do know God does not have hands, right? So when it says this in Psalm 145 that God's hands are open, it's a poetic way. To say that God is so, so generous. And because we are made in His image, because He is the creator that is generous, He wants us to be like Him. So we should be generous as well because we are made in His image There's an organization, I think it's called Generous Giving, but they ask this question. What would life be like if you would give without obligation? If you would share without hesitation and live with the generosity of Jesus? What would life be like? Can you imagine the change if that was the case? So God is calling us to be like Him. Now when we think about rewards, remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul wrote this in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. He said in verse 11, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones, wood, hay or straw each one's work will become manifest when for the day will disclose it the exact same thing of what jesus was saying in the day of judgment because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward so where we're getting pushed is that we need to live by faith because whatever is done by faith is going to be the gold he says or to be precious stones or silver but whatever is not done by faith will be wood hay and straw and it will burn and so when it comes to the day when all of us stand before jesus as our judge we will give an account for our lives and part of the accounting will be here's what god's entrusted to you how generous have you been with it? And if we live by faith, we then will see the things don't burn up. But if we live in a stingy way, a self-centered way, in a way that's not generous, well, that will all burn and it'll be what he describes here as wood, hay, and straw. But you've got to ask yourself, we just read this little section. What triggered... Jesus to talk about humility and generosity well what triggered it is what I alluded to is that Jesus was at a dinner party and he saw pride and selfishness so at this dinner party there was a ruler of the Pharisees someone that was a top dog and there were these legal people and there was a man there with dropsy and all this is in the first part of chapter 14 and this man with dropsy is sitting at this banquet at this dinner party and they're all looking and jesus could feel the searching eyes of the pharisees that were there and the scribes the lawyers that were there but they weren't saying anything and jesus had a way of discerning just like you would be able to see Man, I feel judged right now. I feel like they're scrutinizing my every move. And that's exactly what was happening with Jesus. And so Jesus just lobs it out on the table. Is it lawful to be generous? Is it lawful, he said it a little differently, to heal on the Sabbath? Nobody would answer. They took the fifth. They knew where this was going. They were smart. And so what does Jesus do? He heals the man with dropsy. And then he asks another question. Let me just ask you Pharisees, let me just ask you scribes, if you had an ox or a son that fell into the well on the Sabbath, would you take and pull them out? Would you work? Because that would be work, to pull them out of the well. And of course, they don't answer. And so Jesus, not only did eyes search him, he was watching the dinner party. And he saw what they were doing. He saw how people were scrambling to the seat of honor at the dinner party. He saw that, the pride that was involved. He saw the selfishness that was going on time to just pause could I ask a probing question what does Jesus see in your life what does he see he is watching he doesn't miss anything what does he see ah we won't stay on that too long that's a little heavy right but it's something at least to think about So as we look at these two ideas that appear, right, it's because the two attitudes were being shown. The Pharisees were showing their pride and their selfishness. So let's just assume. I don't want to presume upon you, but let's just make an assumption that we're not all that. That maybe a little pride sneaks in and maybe a little selfishness sneaks in. How do you and I uproot pride? How do we deal with selfishness? Or as I asked at the beginning, do we really need to be generous? Let's make it really personal though. Just ask yourself, do I need to be generous? So as I was reflecting on this this week, I wrote down just a few thoughts that came to mind. How do I personally uproot pride in my life? How do I deal with my own selfishness? And I jotted down four things that helped me. Maybe they'll help you. The first one is this. I need to have a foundation of trust in God. I need to recognize that He is the God who has given me everything. So I need to trust Him. That without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Whatever is not of faith, Paul wrote in Romans 14, verse 23, is sin. So I need to trust Him. Now, let's flip that a little bit. If I'm going to trust Him, it means I have to let go of idols. Now, what's my idol? I'll let you see my heart. Now and then, I get scared. I get scared as I get older. And I want to put trust, not in God, but in money. I don't like to say I love money, but I got to say there's not a big difference between trusting money and loving money. Because isn't that what the love of money is? It's putting more trust in money and security and hope than in God. So as I get older, you know where I'm going. I get pounded with messages about you got to keep saving this nest egg. you got to keep achieving this. You've got to arrive in order to retire. So I have to keep bringing myself back to the foundation of trusting God. I don't know what it is for you. I'm just trying to bring you into my own life. But I do know this, the love of money is serious. It's very serious. And over and over in Scripture we see that there's a condition of the heart where we love money And loving money is just simply saying, I find more security and more comfort and more hope in the things of this world than I do in God. So I'll never get rid of my pride or my selfishness if I don't deal with my foundation. Second, I realize I need to humble myself. The Bible says several places, both in the Older Testament and the Newer Testament, to humble ourselves. In fact, it says that God is opposed to the proud in James and He looks, right, at the humble. He gives grace to the humble. God stands opposed. So pride is an enemy. But humility is a friend of God. Then I realized I needed to make some choices. So as I look at the foundation, it always starts with God. I start looking at my heart condition. I need to be humble. By the way, Jesus was humble, right? Remember it says in Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself by becoming a servant. One way we can tell if we're humble is do we serve? Jesus modeled his humility in his serving. I have to make a decision, and here was my third thing I wrote down. I need to surrender. Just like everyone, we all have hopes and dreams. We all have ways we want to spend our time. We all have ways we want to spend our money. All I got to do is look at the toys we have, and I 'll tell you what you like to do. We all have it. but what God is asking us to do, will you surrender that to me? So if I'm going to sever that deep root of pride and selfishness in my heart, I have to surrender. I'll never sever that root. It'll keep flowering in my life if I don't surrender. And then finally I wrote down this. Listening to the Spirit. Right? Because it's by faith. God has things. So that woman in the restaurant, that woman in the restaurant, I think was moved by the Spirit to say, No, I need to do this. I need to do this. I've had a very hard week. So we need to walk in the power of the Spirit. We always have to walk in the power of the Spirit. So now let me give you some very clear action points, right? Because that's what this whole series is about. And I'm going to tell you rich people how to be generous. With your money. No, actually, it's not just about money, is it? It's about a heart attitude of generosity. So here's a couple things I wrote down. Give something away. This week, just just right now, in, in, in a kind of a prayerful place, think about something you could give away. And I'm not talking about just money. Maybe you say, you know, I really don't have a lot of money to give, but you know what you do have? If you're breathing, I'm not sure everyone's breathing right now, but if you're breathing, you're alive, and you could maybe give someone time. You know how you give someone time? Maybe you call them. Maybe you say, hey, could we grab coffee together? Hey, maybe we could go do something together. Maybe that's where you could be generous. You've been a little stingy on time, and and maybe the Spirit is leading you to be generous with your time. Maybe you do have to give some money away. Then that pressed me into the second one. Maybe the story that I told at the beginning, you need to give some money away to someone who can't bless you back. Right? Who, who, who can just receive encouragement and love. Now I want to de- do something. I want to give you a deeply theological word. It's giddy could you do something that would make you giddy this week? You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going through a Starbucks drive-thru and saying, you know what, I want to pay for the order behind me. And I'm going to take care of it all. Now, you don't know what it is until they tell you. You say, I want to take care of it. You take a step of faith. You say, I want to just bless someone. Or you're going through a grocery line and you say, hey, you know, I want to take care of the, this lady's groceries or this man's groceries. And you walk away just a little giddy. Just kind of wondering, what are they thinking? Who would do such a thing? You don't know how it's going to be received or what God's going to do with it, but you could just bless people with your generosity. Now, I know you came, as we started talking about generosity, you would expect me to say what I just said, wouldn't you? You came just kind of thinking, yeah, he's going to say something like this. Let me go a little deeper. Are you ready to go just a little deeper with generosity? I wrote this down. Do you need to do something for someone who hurt you? There's something about the Christmas season that brings out pain. Maybe it's the broken family. Maybe it's the mom. Who betrayed you, or the dad who just walked out of your life and, and you're just wounded? As we walk in humility and it moves us to generosity, I want you to hear Jesus' words. And he said, Love your enemies. Is there someone that's hurt you that you just need to bless? No strings attached. No strings, you're just going to bless someone that has wounded you, that you've really wanted to avoid. But maybe right now the Spirit of God is saying, you know what, you need to reach out to them. You need to show them some love. Let me give you one final one. Just an act of generosity that's going a little deeper. Is there someone you need to forgive? Boy, what a move of generosity Mm -hmm. to forgive someone that has really hurt you deeply. Jesus was doing all of this and He had already taught the Pharisees about compassion and kindness. And God wants you and me to walk in kindness and compassion, in humility and generosity. He's such a good father. He's such a good, good father. And he has filled you and me with the Spirit so that we could do good this Christmas. So if we want to keep Christ at the center If we want to really keep Christ at the center, we need to live generous lives. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. And you bless people. You pour out blessings whether they walk with you or turn against you. You, you just love them and you're drawing them to yourselves. You're saying you're, you're, you've been bought with a price. And, and God, you are wanting to do so much through your son Jesus Christ. God, we, we draw upon your power. Help everyone here right now. In fact, can we just pause? I want you to ask the Spirit of God. Right now, ask the Spirit of God. This is laying the foundation, right? God is good. Who does God want you to bless this week? Besides for me. I'm oh, just kidding. Who does God want you to bless? Let me say it a little differently. Who does He want you to be generous towards? He's going to speak a name into your mind. He's going to bring someone to heart right now. I believe that. I believe the Spirit is drawing. And I I, I want to pause too. If you're here this morning and you're hurt and you're wounded and you're struggling to get through it, Kathy and I want to pray for you this morning. We want to anoint you with oil at the end of the service we'll be down front we want to pray for you pastor brad is here and emily are here we want to pray for you if you're here and you're struggling to get past that hurt god is wanting to do something amazing in your heart he doesn't want you to be in bondage he wants to release you to be generous father whatever you want to do we ask you to bring to mind people Maybe an activity. Maybe you really are calling someone here to pay for that coffee, to pay for those groceries, to bring a dish to someone's house unexpectedly. Whatever it is, lay it on their heart right now. And God, if there's someone that they need to bless, be generous towards, give that name, please, Father, to your glory. This isn't about us. It's about your kingdom, about your glory. And then God if someone needs to forgive would you give them the strength to do that just as the lord taught us to pray forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us help us in this god and then god if there's someone here this morning that needs prayer maybe just a prayer to come back to you they've built a wall and it's time would you stir hearts for that as well you are so good god you are so good and we know you're at work we just commit all of this to you in jesus name amen